Now, you're very welcome back. Now, yesterday afternoon, Cork City regained one of its most famous uh, landmark shops nearly a, a century after the original opening, Crowley's Music Centre. It relaunched yesterday. It's in a new location in the South Parish in Cork City. And joining us to tell us more about this amazing story, Sheena Crowley, good morning to you. Good morning, Oliver. How are uh, you? You are Crowley of the Crowleys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how fa- first of all, we want to begin, how famous is, has this shop been down in Cork City? For those of us who may not have been familiar with it, think of an alien arriving down or a worm come to life. Yeah. Uh, he's arriving in Cork City. It's a, it's a legendary place uh, for, for the rebels down there. It is, for sure, yeah. I mean, we, we grew up with it. Everybody coming into the shop was a weekly visit, for sure. Yeah. Maybe even more than that, you know. So it was um, part of the rituals of the week. So um, it means a lot, you know. What? And last night you could see that when I was chatting to everybody at the launch and they were telling me all their stories as well, you know. What's your earliest memory of going into the shop? Um, my grandfather set up a shop on Merchant's Quay at first. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, about maybe, I can remember being in there at three or four years of age. Yeah. I remember my dad holding my hand. And I, I remember it quite distinctly. And I think my father then moved it to McCurtain Street when I was about, say, six or seven. Uh, so that would have been 1973. Yeah. Yeah. What did it look like? Can you just bring us into your, your memories of the shop uh, growing up and what, what it physically looked like as you walked in through the door? Um, well, the small shop on Merchant's Key, which my grandfather had set up, was mm. a tiny little uh, space, just completely packed with instruments hanging from the ceilings and uh, drum kits up high even and because there was nowhere to put the kits on the floor. Um, and there was a little walking gangway above the counter where there was a man living in an apartment above and he used to kind of appear upstairs, <laughs> from upstairs. Yeah, it was very weird. And there was just this counter where my aunt would have been and um, a lot of the musicians would just come in and try anything. And they used to, uh, my father used to give them instruments to go busking to kind of maybe um, get, make a bit of money if they were broke or stuck or whatever, you know. Um, but in McCurtain Street, it was a bigger, much bigger shop. And my father was very much um, focused on rock at that point. And yes. uh, so we were getting all the latest amps and electric uh-huh. guitars and it was very, very cool. <laughs> and he was also into disco as well in the <laughs> 70s, you know. So uh, myself and my sisters and brothers used to be brought into the shop for a night uh, or a night like treat um, going into the basement of the shop and he would put on the projections with all the different lights and effects and wow. that on the wall downstairs, yeah. Uh, it was a magical place, really. Um, uh, like, I always identify musicians. I can spot them everywhere, no matter where I travel. I can say he's a musician, she's a musician. You know, I can feel it or see it, I don't know. That's because I, yeah, You can't quite tell yeah. exactly why, but you just know. Yeah, because I grew up with them, you know. So they right. were like part of my existence. So... Um, and then, like, my dad used to be bringing me into the shop all the time, so mm. I used to get to chat with them as well. And they have a flair, like, they often have a style too, a fairly, I think, cool style, you know, so. Uh, and so the, the, the second phase, your dad, Michael, is really the second era of the, of yeah. the shop. Yeah. So if you, I, I want to just jump back slightly into mm-hmm. Tyg Crowley, yeah. your grandfather, and how he got into it, how he, how he started and why this shop even came into being. Yeah, um, well, he was a pipe major and a composer of music, um, some amazing pieces, actually. And he started making instruments as well. But what used to happen um, is so many... um, He was very concerned with preserving uh, 
um, the abilities, uh, like the Irish tradition and ability to play the pipes, etc. Yeah. So he'd often hear maybe that a pipe band had um, lost their members or something like that. So he used to try and revive the different bands and he'd travel around Munster. He used to walk by foot to different places like Foynes and so on, Newcastle West, and he'd get there whenever, how long it used to take him, and he'd then stay there for a week in the pipe major's home, and then he'd all the people in the village used to bring their instruments to him to repair. So he made it his business to be able to repair all instruments so that nobody then fades away from it, you know. So it was an absolute passion to him. So that in 1923, he started making pipes and uh, repairing from a shed in Blackpool. And then he uh, was aiming for a shop. So it took him 10 years to actually get to open the shop. It's like it took me 10 years to revive Crowley's. But um, so he opened a shop on 10 Merchants Quay. And he was uh, focused on uh, piping and Kaylee equipment, you know, so. So that that's, that was the first phase of it. Yeah. And then uh, years later, your dad kind of takes over. Yeah, my grandfather died in 1951. My father uh-huh. was 10. And oh, wow. um, yeah, he then was literally skipping school, going into the shop all the time. And my grandmother was worried about that, of course, but he just kept leaving school. And um, eventually she stopped trying to uh, resist that. Like, <laughs> And he, by the time he was 14 years of age, he was fully running the shop. Really? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's incredible, isn't it? I think know, of a 14 yeah. year old. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes look at young kids and I think, geez, imagine oh, like the, like uh, he just took to it like, you know, it was mm. his, it was his home really. He yeah. saw that as his home because it was his, he believed that's where his father's spirit was, you know, so. And it being a music shop, he wasn't exactly running it as, a, as an amazing business. Definitely not. <laughs> it's not like capitalism or consumerism. No. It's none of those things. It's yeah. just all about passion and really wanting to help and facilitate them, any musician at all. Um, there's a pair of uh, amazing uh, musicians that were well known in Cork called the Dunn Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used to come into the shop and uh, if they were stuck for something like a banjo or violin, uh, Mick would give it to them and then they'd um, go outside Roche stores busking. And then they'd come back and give them half of the takings. And they did this regularly until the instrument was paid off. So they became very well known because they constantly went busking then. Uh, they were outstanding musicians. Yeah. That's extraordinary. And mm-hmm. he would have been involved in helping out uh, in the show band era. Yeah, and, big and time. That's a great story, isn't there, to do with the Royal Show Band and the guitar they ordered. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jim Condon had ordered a Strat. I mean, at that point, there hadn't really been many had come into the... Like, nowadays, young people would see it as, like, a common enough instrument, but they mm. were very rare back then. Mm-hmm. And Jim, Con- Jim Conlon had ordered one, but it came in in the wrong colour. came in in the sunburst colour, but uh, that didn't suit the uniform, and they were very much about their whole image um, in those days which was brilliant it all had to match yeah (laughs) and so um, he traded back into the shop and Rory Gallagher's eagle eyes spotted it and he was already well aware of the strat you know and like it it was like it was drawing him like and he had to have it so he contacted or he got his mom to come into the shop and they made an arrangement then with my dad to pay it off I think it was over a year I, I can't remember exactly it but took it a year was, to pay off yeah, the guitar yeah, for yeah, yeah and obviously this guitar because it's extremely important for Rory Gallagher's career yeah uh, yeah big time you know um, I think 
sometimes when you're watching musicians and you see how much, you know, the way you'd say something like they're one with the instrument. I, I think Rory Gallagher came alive. Obviously, everybody would have said that, like, but it was like apart from for sure. And he was in it like and maybe like Miles McGopolin and, you know, that story about the postman becoming part of the saddle on the bike. I think <laughs> Rory Gallagher was definitely... <laughs> Mingling with the strat, like you know, at swim three boys uh, uh, and um, Rory Gallagher together. Yeah, um, your dad obviously was really beloved in the music scene. Yeah, yeah, he was an amazing man. Actually, like I would liken him to Rory Gallagher in their personality. They were very um, chilled out, very humble, very unassuming, uh, and kind of shy. But um, my dad, like, yeah, he, the thing is, he used to right. He had six children and. His, my mom, <laughs> uh, but he'd get a call anytime, anywhere. Um, I'm stuck. My speaker has uh, broken down, or my amp, or whatever. So he'd travel. Like he'd, he, it was like he was on call. I was saying to somebody the other day, it was like an emergency service yeah, at home, yeah. you know. And uh, our our sitting room space was covered in gear that he'd be fixing for people. And my mother was always going, "You need to get a shed. You need to move this stuff," you know. But um, they, the show bands, especially really, really respected the fact that he would do that for them. And so, you know, they always knew they could count on him. And the thing about him as well is I suppose he built up relationships like they were his extended family because at 14 years of age, you know, Mm. he's getting to know all these people and he's growing with them and he observes them and how they develop as well. So it was just part of him and they all loved him, right, for sure. And he kept going, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like he was working there for 55 years. Amazing. And his day off was Tuesday, but he almost never, he, every single Tuesday he used to come into the shop. We used to laugh because <laughs> we'd be there like um, taking care of things. And he'd just say, I thought I'd just come in and have a look. Is everything OK? Yeah, everything's OK. But he'd still stay, you know, because uh, he just loved being there. He loved being busy. Um, yeah. it, it survived even through the 80s and the recession year and all of that. But yeah, it's funny because in the recession era, I remember many uh, people coming in and saying, I've lost my job and mm. I need to do something. And my dad would give them a guitar and say, look, uh, get a, you know, a gig in a pub or something. Yeah. And so we actually boomed at that point. Really? You know, yeah. So those those grim years in the eighties. Yeah, were actually uh, our best years. Like, ironically, like you know. Yeah. So then he was helping freaking everyone, you know. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I the remember, business mind wasn't. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Wasn't but he did one thing. He did say, "All right, is don't play for pints. Don't do that, and don't play for pittance." And ah, you know, he'd be trying to say that to them. And yeah. at one stage, he tried to set up a kind of. Um, a club for musicians and you know try to get them make sure that they were all sorted and took care of their gear and that but mm. that faded away but uh, yeah he was brilliant um, and he, he sadly died in 2010 yeah yeah and um, then the, the shop kind of uh, went into its hiatus yeah yeah exactly yeah well there's loads of love actually for the show um, uh, for the shop sorry my 26 year old son Aaron got his first guitar there and is a fantastic guitarist now going to Crowley's to get uh, even a guitar string was like going to Smith's toy shop for him so oh, yeah. many happy afternoons trying out every guitar in the shop and Crowley's have always encouraged it legends in Cork says Trish there uh, someone says, my parents used to go to Crowley's. One day my mum was standing beside Rory Gallagher checking out the guitars. It's her claim to fame. <laughs> and we think it was a street cred high, says Maeve. So it really was, the, it was a hangout spot, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. uh, they're, they're the kind of people that might have driven 
other people mad in, in music shops, the, the hangers out and the, uh, uh, the tire kickers in a music shop. <laughs> but it sounds like your dad had a welcome for them. And uh, Berlin, great to have more bricks and mortar music shops in Ireland. As a musician, I always try to buy from a real music shop, not online, unless they don't have what I need. Same with the vinyl and the CDs. And there's a shout out for Plugged Records in Cork City as well, part of the scene as well. Yeah. And Brilliant C. Crowley's opening again, a hugely important part of Cork's musical life for decades. And that's the story, Sheena, isn't it? The fact that it's come back uh, into existence as well. After it closed in 2013, you, you kept it going somewhat, didn't you? In, well, a, in a sort of um, yeah, a phantom guise. Yeah, well, I, I was always doing, I was still involved all the time. and But especially during COVID, I noticed a lot of people were ringing me, asking me would I have a lend of a cello or a lend of a saxophone or a lend of something because they all turned to recording when they couldn't gig yeah. And so um, I was trying to kind of source them for them. And then I just started saving a bit of money here and there every week and buying an instrument. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of built up a bank of instruments then. So, so I was renting them out to people. Wow. And and I did it then to honour my dad because I was charging 25 euros per month um, mm-hmm. to rent the instruments for the month. And everybody would say, you're mad, you should charge a lot more than that. And I was saying, yeah, no, yeah. no, because I want to do it um, to honour my father. Yeah. You know, it and, was and what it was it, about. Yeah. yeah. Like support and help them in that. But um, what you said there about um, the, what the uh, re- uh, the person who texted in, mm-hmm. um, about it being a shop uh, rather than online, online, a bricks and mortar shop. Yeah. I think it's very important because... Um, it's a very sociable thing. You know, we're all maybe at home and on our computer, on social media, and uh, we're communicating online as well. And um, like last night, I observed it like, and if even, I don't know if you know of John Bleck, you probably should anyway. He's okay. brilliant. And uh, Ari Sheen, and they were saying, geez, I, I was great. Now we're going to meet. Now after a meeting here, we've decided to get together and things like that, you know, they'll always happen and they begin to collaborate. Yes. And uh, that's definitely something that works for musicians. So our space is going to be a sociable space. There's benches where they can sit. There will be coffee and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it's so important, like you're saying, to, to go in and chat to people because you can only do so much fishing around online. You're yeah, sort of doing it yeah, on your own. Yeah. It's the chats that people have. Yeah, connecting with people is what music is about. You know, that's exactly what it's about. So yeah. to do it physically is much better. <laughs> I want to go to the phones, uh, actually, Sheena, because we have a man on the line, Ray Cooney's in, uh, I think he's Clonakilty. Good morning to you, Ray Cooney. Hello, Oliver. How are you doing? Um, and you have, a, you have a, a deep connection, don't you, with Crowley's? I do, I do. Um, I have a very fond, very fond memory of Crowley's yeah. shop on McCurtain Street. Um, I always wanted, I lie, I didn't always want, for the, for about a year before I got the guitar, I wanted the, I wanted a guitar. Yeah. And I pestered my father, and it was De La Salle Day in sixth class, and we had, we had to go to Mass. Okay. And he promised me he'd bring me into Cork um, to buy a guitar after the Mass. So off we went. He invited his friend, Mart Kelleher, wow. who is um, a traditional musician. And the three of us drove into Crowley's. I don't think I'd ever been to Crowley's before that moment. And we went in and I, it was just mind-blowing. Um, I can remember a long, a kind of squarish, high-ceilinged place. That's my memory of it. Just guitars. I had no interest in anything else, like the drums or the saxophones or anything like that. It was the guitars, you know, just the guitars. I'd never seen so many guitars. <laughs> and the, the, the electrics were so exotic too, like the electric guitars were so exotic. I, I didn't dare look at them really, but 
Um, I can remember Mert trying out a horn or acoustic on his knee. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at him going, is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we bought it and I still have it. I was playing it yesterday. Um, and it's just very special memory. Mert is a good friend still. Uh, my dad is in his 70s, as is Mert. And um, I pestered my father again in leaving cert. <laughs> There's a lot, got, of pestering, um, a, lot of, a lot of bribing going on. You had to go to another yeah, mass. To yeah, do- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got, I got a Les Paul um, for my leaving cert, which I still have, wow. and nobody's allowed to borrow. <laughs> but it all started with Crowley's. Um, and I must shout out, I must give a quick shout out to my teacher, Pat, Pat Walsh, who taught me guitar for free for two years in school. Wow. I wouldn't be able to play without him. But um, yeah, so that's my story about Crowley's. Um, it was... I don't know, I would say, I, I think a lot of people were kind of grieving after it left mm. in McCartan Street. It was mm. it was a strange time. I, I, I'm a teacher and I slagged the young fellas about this burger joint. You know that burger joint there on McCartan Street, <laughs> I said to them. And they say, yeah, <laughs> ah, burger joints. Yeah. I said, there's burger joints everywhere. There was one place there, I said, lads, before that burger joint. They've no memory of it. Of course, they don't. They're too young. And I go, it was a very special place, very, very special place. And it was so exciting. And um, another joke I make is um, the cost of not making it in rock is teaching. (laughs) (laughs) And the agony, no, there's an agony. Honest to God, there's an agony. And I can relate to what that lady was saying. There's an agony about not making it in music, but music is so infectious, you know. And making it is is such an undefined meaning, Ray Cooney, isn't it? I it mean, is, it is, yeah. yeah. I feel I've made it because I have music and I have a yeah. daughter and I'm trying to teach her music. Oh, so, but, uh, but Crowley's has a part to play in that, I think, and I, I'm sure it's the case for thousands of people around Cork and around Ireland, not just me, you know. Sheena, that's a gorgeous story. Isn't it? That's it is that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, every time I hear the stories, there are people connected to my dad, especially or anybody in the shop. Um, we had great staff mm. there as well. You see, so that was all part of it. You know that um, everybody felt very welcome, and somebody like people will always say it didn't matter whether you were a high profile musician or whether you were just a beginner learning. It was you were as important. You know so. Mm. Um, I think mm. it was my father just seemed to be able to give everybody time and I used to be saying you need to go to the bank or you need to do this and he'd go no no I'm chatting to whatever you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah. everything had to wait for you know to be yeah. with that customer like so and then that was fantastic you know That's a, uh, yeah. his priority were the people like and mm. to find them the exact instrument that they needed like so when mus- when instruments came into the shop you know when we got deliveries he'd open up the boxes of guitars say and he'd go through them and he'd run his eye over the um, action and the different aspects of the build of the guitar and he'd touch and he'd smell it and everything and he'd get a feel for it and then he'd go I'm going to give Andy down a shout he'd like this guitar you know and yeah Mm. and it literally would be matched you know Andy would come in try the guitar and Jesus Mick that's perfect thanks a million you know Uh, and that happened all the time he just got he had a feel for it like you know and Mm -hmm. uh, so when you were that invested in people you know 
that's why it was so magical, I would say, mm. really. A really special place. Ray, thanks a million for sharing your memories. Yeah, thanks, and Ray. And, uh, thank you, thanks very much. For thank you. See you soon, hopefully. Yeah, enjoy your yeah. honor acoustic. And don't forget, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the agony that keeps you playing. Don't yeah. forget, that's yeah. the thing. That's what you can draw on. Good morning. Yeah. Thanks a million. Yeah. Um, Sheen, I want to ask you, because last night you had your official opening. Yes. And yeah. um, what's, the new, what's the new shop like and, and where exactly is it? Where can people it's find it? It's lovely. It's, uh, I'm actually right on the outskirts of the city. So oh. like literally you walk down two lanes and you're onto the South Mall kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm in an ideal position. And, but the lovely feel there because it's a residential street, you know, and all the neighbours are coming in to say hello as we were building and doing all the work. Oh, lovely. And it was really nice. And it's a small space, so I would liken it more to Merchant's Quay than McCurtain Street. So at the moment we will be selling... Um, well, for for the near future, we'll be selling second-hand instruments and kind of middle-of-the-road vintage instruments. And then I will focus on new instruments for traditional players first and folk players and then build from there. Um, and I'll have a lot... I'll, I'll do a lot of accessories so that, you know, people can just pop in and get their strings and their cables and stuff like that. But uh, it's just a lovely warm space. It's just class. It's class. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be a lovely, it's going to be a hub, isn't it, for lessons yeah. and various things. That's, yeah. what your, that's what your ambitions are for the place. Exactly, because I'm going to do it part-time and focus the all the cons- customers at the weekends, you know, from Thursdays to Sundays, 12 to 6. Now yeah. that will probably evolve, obviously, and that. But the, there's other spaces in the shop that I will use for things like podcasts and recording and teaching rooms and so on. Um, basically what anybody needs, we'll have workshops and gigs and so on as well. Oh, well, it's just, it's lovely news and there's loads of messages coming in. I'll get to them later on, but for yeah. the, uh, in the meantime, uh, the, the best of luck to you on Friar Street there. Thank it's you very in, much. In the South Parish. People will know it down Cork City Way, but we'll find them uh, Crowley's or Crowley's. I never know when it comes to Cork. I don't mind. It's <laughs> okay. It's cool. I get called everything <laughs> we but Sheena or Sheila or Crowley yes. or Crowley. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Can but I just say one thing of course, please, go, do, actually, please do. Sorry, we're doing a tribute night to my father in um, the Triscoll next Friday on the 4th at 8pm. Uh-huh. We're going to have two brilliant acts. One is um, Conor O'Sullivan, Carl Nesbitt and Jason Turk called No Name Trio. And there'll be uh, also David Munley and uh, Shane McGowan. They're coming from uh, Mayo and Sligo. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to do a series of gigs, especially dedicated to my father to kind of uh, honour his... Um, dedication like his 55 years working for musicians wow. and uh, so that's next Friday so I'd love to see all his friends there That sounds like a great night out and a, yeah, a lovely way and you've, you've honoured uh, both Tig and your dad Michael yeah. extremely well Sheena yeah. good morning to you Thanks, Thanks a million. million Thank you Five Bye one, Oliver Thank you very much 51551 five, one. that's a text back after these so-